When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here in this place this evening, and we trust that you are here. May my words now be your words, and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Every Ash Wednesday, I stand up here and try to prepare you for the fact that we're going to be participating in something counterintuitive this evening, something that is seemingly a direct contravention of a direct command from Jesus. He instructs us not to practice our piety, our religiousness, so that other people can see us. Indeed, specifically telling us not to disfigure our faces. And yet here we are, about to invite you to come forward to receive a smudge of ash on your forehead, showing everyone that you went to church this evening. And I'll say something about that tonight, about what it is that we're really telling the world. Hint, it's not that you're a super spiritual person. But as we begin, I was struck this year, perhaps especially, by how if what we're doing tonight is out of step seemingly with what the Bible commands, it's in fact totally in step with what our culture commands. Think about it. Everyone everywhere is practicing their piety before men, showing who they are and what they believe by their public display. You can't just be part of a group. You have to announce that you are part of that group. The teens who paint their fingernails black and wear pentagrams around their neck, they're trying to tell you something. Or maybe it's just the person with the old political bumper sticker on their car. You know, the one from the guy who lost? Like, Dukakis, 88. (laughs) Telling people that you voted for Dukakis in 88 or Trump in 2020 isn't accomplishing anything other than signaling your particular piety to the world. Or yesterday, I saw a transgender flag in a bakery window. As though I needed to know the baker's feelings about the trans issue. How about a sign that tells me how good your cupcakes are? (laughs) The flag isn't doing anything other than signaling your piety. An attempt to communicate to the world that you're such and such a person with such and such approved beliefs. And we do it too. As much as I love seeing the Grace Anglican car magnets around town. Seriously, my heart leaps every time I see one. But really, we are signaling an affiliation, a tribe, a certain kind of piety. It's kind of, we hope at least, the opposite of the pentagram around your neck, right? But it's still a signal to the world. So what's the difference between all those signals those cultural signals, and what we've gathered to do here. 
tonight. Whenever you fast, Jesus preaches, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, before we clarify what we are doing here in light of Jesus's teaching, let's be clear about what we are not doing here. We are not practicing our piety. If you came here tonight to get an ashen cross on your forehead so that you could claim some kind of obedience or to prove to your family members that you went to church or to be seen by the drive through guy at Chick-fil-A on your way home, I'm going to suggest that you not come up and get them. In fact, I admonish you to stay in your seat. We are not here to show our neighbors what holy people we are. Don't come up and get ashes on your forehead unless you listen to the rest of this sermon. Participate in the liturgy. Confess and repent. And then come up to receive what we have gathered to get. A reminder of our humanity. Our frailty. Our mortality. Our sin. And our need. The ashes that we will impose tonight are not a badge of honor or an accomplishment. They are not the practice of piety that Jesus cautions against. They're not a gold medal, recognition of a good grade, or the mark of an excellent performance. In fact, we call it an imposition of ashes on purpose. They are something that happened to you, not something that you would necessarily welcome. These ashes drawn in the shape of a cross on your forehead, are a reminder that you are but dust. And that to dust you shall return. That you will die. And indeed, that you deserve to die. These ashes aren't an award. They're more like the scarlet letter that Hester Prynne had to wear to let everyone around her know that she was a sinner. This mark shows the world that you are unclean. It's almost as if just in this one area, the culture at large has accidentally gotten itself totally in line with the church because these ashes are an identity marker. In fact, to use an utterly contemporary illustration, These ashes will serve as your preferred pronouns. Identity is in fact the issue that we are talking about right now. That's where all of the world's piety practicing comes from. The bumper stickers, the flags in shop windows, and all the rest. Everyone is desperate for everyone else to know who they are. This is what the pronouns are supposed to accomplish, right? You put your pronouns in your email signature to let the world know how you identify. And that is precisely what we are doing here tonight. We are making an announcement to the world 
but it doesn't have anything to do with piety. We're letting the world know how we identify. Not Nick Lannon, he, him, but Nick Lannon, dead in trespasses and sins. But there is, in fact, a profound difference. The pronoun illustration isn't quite right because this is not an identification that we looked within ourselves to find. Something that we decided was true of us. No, this is an identity that has been given to us by Almighty God. It is His law, His holiness that has shown us the terrible truth about ourselves. That on our own, we are dead. Do you remember what a scandal it was in the New Testament when Jesus hung around prostitutes, tax collectors, and other sinners? How the people stared and whispered when he mingled freely with the sick, the lepers, and the dying. People were astonished that a rabbi would act this way because when good, upstanding citizens of the world saw those kinds of people approaching, they would literally point and hiss, unclean, unclean. That's what's going on here tonight. When you leave this church this evening with ashes on your forehead, that's how good, upstanding citizens of the world ought to treat you. Pointing, hissing, you will have been marked unclean. But that's not the whole story. There's something unique about this mark. It's not just a smear. This mark is not a red A. It is a cross. And that, that changes everything. Think of it like this. When I make the sign of the cross on your forehead, it will be a kind of sermon. A sermon that you can feel. In a sense, everything we do in church is a sermon. There's the obvious kind, the the kind that's happening right now where I stand up and talk. That's a sermon for your ears. I stand up, I preach, and you hear the word of God. You hear his law, and you hear Christ's gospel. But we also do other kinds of sermons, especially in churches like ours in an Anglican church. We try to preach, for instance, to your eyes. Now, here at Grace, we don't have a cathedral with vaulted ceilings and stained glass windows, architecture and art that is designed to tell you the story of creation, sin, and redemption. But we do the best we can with what we've got. This is the most beautiful cafeteria we've worshipped in yet. And we do things like carry a cross, wear robes, and light candles, all to draw your attention to the holiness and beauty of Almighty God. It's a sermon for your eyes. In communion, we preach a sermon to your tastes. Bread and wine preaching to you about Christ's body and blood broken and shed for you. A word from the Lord that you can actually feel on your tongue. 
And now, on Ash Wednesday, I'm about to preach a sermon that you will feel on your flesh. Tonight, I will literally draw the Word of God onto your body. A few days ago on Sunday, as Epiphany ended, we read the story of the transfiguration in which Moses and Elijah commune with Jesus on the mountaintop, only to be finally totally outshined by His glory. We read from 2 Corinthians 3, in which St. Paul tells the church and us, about the two ways that God speaks into the world via the law and via the gospel. One kind of speech, the law that brings death, condemnation, and another, the gospel that brings new life. And tonight, we're going to be preaching those same two words, but doing so through a physical touch. A sermon, an announcement that comes from outside of you that you can feel. In the first place, the mark I'll place on your head is a proclamation of the law. That God is perfect and you are not. You are a son or daughter of Adam, a descendant of sin and rebellion. You no longer live in Eden. You are a sinner and you will die. That's what I mean when I say, as I make the mark, that you are dust. And to dust you shall return. But that's just the first word, not the final one. Because remember, it's not just any mark. This will be a cross. Finally, this will be a proclamation of the gospel. Because on the cross, a surpassing glory has been unleashed. And death will not have the final word. Now tonight... We begin the season of Lent. And for a time, for a few weeks, we're going to let the ash speak. We're going to focus on the fact that we are dust. We're even going to refrain from saying Alleluia in church during this season. We're going to be meditating in a special way on God's first word. That the law has spoken and found us wanting. Have no other gods before me. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Faced with this law of almighty and holy God and faced with the truth about ourselves, we would expect good, upstanding citizens of the world to point and hiss. To mark us as unclean. But even in our version of the scarlet letter, even in this ashen mark, is the pregnancy of good news. It's the shape of a cross. A reminder that Jesus came and came to die the very death to which this ash points. The death that we deserve. Indeed, in just a few weeks, we're going to walk along that road with him, looking on in awe as he is abandoned by his friends, abandoned for you, as he is convicted of a crime he didn't commit, convicted for you, as he is beaten 
and tortured for you as he breathes his last for you. And then finally, a few weeks from now, we'll find ourselves walking out of this room on a Friday night, having just had to endure everyone pointing and hissing, but not at us who deserve it, at him, at Jesus. We'll read the Passion together, and we will even have pointed and hissed at him ourselves, shouting, crucify him, crucify him. But, but the whole time, we will know the end of the story. We can endure this long walk, this Lenten walk toward the cross, the walk that starts tonight, because we know how the story ends. We know that we are not citizens of this world. Our sermon, the sermon that you will feel on your forehead tonight, is all about Jesus. A Jesus who died a Jesus who was victorious over death. This sermon proclaims two truths. One, that without him, we are dead. And two, that in him, we are alive. That's what the cross I place on your forehead tonight means. That without the cross of Christ, you are dead. Ashes to ashes, Dust to dust. But because of the cross of Christ, you, even a sinner such as you, is alive, raised to new life in Jesus' name and by his finished work. Even tonight. Thanks be to God. Amen.